Hey everyone, it's Christine Mercer from Blue Shoe Cooperative's Ladies Who Launch podcast series. It's all about women in business, successful ones that have found their niche, but are not necessarily household names. These are the ladies who launch. Hey, it's Christine Mercer from Blue Shoe Strategy. So grateful to be speaking with Abby Fabiacci, who has just recently authored a hugely successful AP. Associated Press gave it a great review book, I Liked My Life, but also comes from a business background. So, hey, Abby. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, thank you for taking just the five or ten minutes to walk us through something. I have often talked about lately cold calling and that there is no such thing as a cold call anymore, that there's a warm call, meaning you make a connection by customizing your approach to somebody, even if you've never met them. But the cold calling days of old where people open phone books, uh, yellow pages, etc., and do cold calling is over. And then I read your piece and I was blown away by your diligence in how you approached your sales job. Can you just walk us through in a few minutes what your job was, the numbers blew me away, how many calls you made a week, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just walk us through what your process was. And then I have a few yeah, questions. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you and I ascribe to the same philosophy. So my uh, technology career in sales uh, started in inside sales, which is where a lot of high tech were uh, in the cold calling world. And there was a belief at the time that, you know, if you didn't get an appointment on the call for your outside sales trip, then that was a rejection. That was a failure. Um, and I sat down, and, and, the, and it really was still, you know, we had such big databases. You would buy these uh, these databases <laughs> from other companies. Oh. So these people were getting just pillaged, you know, just called and called and called. And, well, you know, they still um, have those big databases, and they blast to them in an e-blast, which is a little bit easier. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, I would argue those databases can be, gold that have to be mined right. correctly. And so um, what back in the day, I don't know what the statistics would be now, but, you know, 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, the um, statistics were that 92% of the time, nobody answers the phone. So right out of the gate, you're, uh, that's your biggest, you know, set of rejection. Now they have those, those callers and uh, things, but that, that can be a really tough start too, because now you're thrown in and you don't have the ability to make look at your notes and know who you're talking to for a personal touch um, with those connector technologies. But uh, so, you know, you get to these eight calls in, in a hundred and it becomes a numbers game of how many calls do you have to make to then if 5% of the time you get an appointment. And so I found that, you know, over time I found that if you called 450 people a day, a week, sorry, um, you would talk to 36 people a day. <laughs> so, and if you, Oh my God. If you talk to 36 people a no, day... No, wait, wait, let's clarify. A week is five days. you got to divide those by five, not seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, a work week, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, and then w- when you get someone on the phone, you know, you have you have an opportunity there. You can hang up when they don't want an appointment, or you can ask questions. I kind of stopped asking for the appointment right away and started by just asking questions and collecting data. I still would hit on those first calls, that 5% metric, because sometimes people answered the questions in a way where it made an appointment possible, you know, right out of the gate. Uh, sometimes, though, it just made it clear when I should call them back and what I should say when I call back. So, um, you know, they might say, for example, 
Um, we go through our fiscal planning in September. We're not going to have any vendor calls or discussions until then. Then you would know that you'd want to call in August for that, you know, September appointment. Now, can I, um, I have to interrupt you. I hang up on you. Like, I don't talk to any of you people. And I don't know anybody who does anymore. You know, we're not talking about that many years ago. Do people really answer your questions when you call coldly? Um, so I think it depends on, on your approach. One of the things that I really liked to do is f- figure out people's email addresses. So you get a list that just has the phone number and the name usually um, in the company. But you can usually figure out the schema of email addresses with a company. And if you go online and you look at their media kit, there usually is a PR person. And then you can see it's the first letter of the last name. Dot, or you could send BCC an email to like, every logical combination of email address to the company and then see which one doesn't bounce back and then you have their email address. And um, so, you know, you can figure out how to get the the email address of the right person. That's usually a great way to start because if you have a fantastic email, like a couple sentences with the right question um, and a date to meet, they usually won't meet with you, but they'll answer your questions and they'll tell you why. And then when you call, we exchanged emails last month. I'm just following up. Like this was the time that you said, and they don't know, you know, exactly what was said over that email, but it gives you the right to act like you have a relationship with them. So a lot of that is just around your, you know, your strategy and probably your moxie. Okay. So, so you made but, um, 450 calls in five days and, thir- right. and 30 people took your call a day. 36. 36. Numbers, yeah. Okay. And then what happened? <laughs> And so then, you know, 5% you'd get the appointment with, and the remainders... Uh, 5% the 30, of 36 is 1.5 appointments. Yeah. So, so, you, got five, so you, called started, four, wait, you called 450 people a work week, and you got five appointments? At the very beginning. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, you're, you know, you're building, you have to build a pipeline. Okay. So then... People were saying, call me back in a week. Some people were saying, call you back in a month. So you can start to see how it... Uh, the efficiency escalates very quickly because you start to then start your day where the people that you owe, you know, that pop up as, okay, this is the buffer for those. And the longer that you do the job, which obviously this is a job that's miserable. The goal is to not do the job that long. Uh, but the, you know, then you start, that by the end, like after a year, your, your whole day is just follow-up calls. With, you've taken copious notes and you know what you're going to say. And then you start getting, you know, 12 appointments a week, 15 appointments a week. And that's when, you know, you start to, to make a name for yourself. So in my case, my intent had been to go into outside sales, um, but I became the inside sales manager and then, you know, the global inside sales manager. And then we took on services because of maintenance. And so that's kind of how my career ended up expanding was just from being able to. Okay. Did you like doing this? Well, so once you figured out how to, how to do it well, then yeah, it's kind of fun to be <laughs> the person who can do a job that nobody wants. Well, I love that hashtag. Hashtag. Wait, that's a great hashtag, job. Abby. Hashtag um, take a job that nobody wants to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but do it well. But I, but I really, what I became a big believer in is the career path for your inside sales team. If there isn't one, then it will not be successful because it's a job that you can do for two years tops. Um, so when, when I would hire people, I would say, you, if you can do this well for two years, then we will be able to launch a career off of that for you. Um, and, and then you have to hold, you know, you have to hold to your word. Um, 
not everyone, this is not a job for everyone. There are people who, who are, will quit or not work out, you know, within six months or a year. But the people who can do it well for two years are ready to take a junior sales position or an outside sales position. And those are very desirable, highly lucrative careers. So, um, yeah. Okay, but the message in the article, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll take you off, offline after this, but the message in the article that you wrote was that you have to be able to take constructive criticism and you tell yes. a great story of when you were little. So let's, let's just go to that secondary point, which is why I could never do the job. The rejection would just be too great for me. But go ahead and walk through that, that rejection section. I will, yeah. So I'm, I'm a believer in the idea that it's not rejection, it's feedback. So at every time that something happens that could be considered a failure, could be considered rejection, you have the opportunity to change the way you think of that. And you can instead think of it as feedback. And if you do that, you're going to have higher morale and more energy. Um, and you're probably going to get better at what you're saying and doing. Um, sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't take the person at their word. The feedback isn't even literal. It's just the opportunity to find the no's so that you get to the yeses because it's a, there's a statistical game in there too. Um, but when I was a kid, I was, I was very bad at taking uh, criticism. I took myself very seriously. And um, one day I was, you know, you get in our school, it was like E for excellent, S for satisfactory, and U for unsatisfactory. So we're talking about, you know, elementary school, fifth grade. And uh, I had all my E's swimming in my pool of excellence and feeling really good about myself. <laughs> and, uh, and then one day I got an S, maybe an S minus in handwriting, and I was devastated and pissed. And, um, and I came, I'm crying. But I've seen your I, handwriting. It's, it's not bad at all. No, it's, you see my handwriting when I, that is me working very hard. Okay. I write like a 13 okay. year old boy. It's more of a scribble. And, um, and so it's funny signing books now. I have to be very careful what handwriting I bring out. Um, but my, my father came home and I, I was so upset. I couldn't even tell him, put words to what had happened. And my sister, you know, rolls her eyes and says she got an S in handwriting. She's pretty sure her life's over. Something walks out of the room completely horrified by me. And, uh, and my dad says, he just, he started laughing, started laughing so hard. And said, stop laughing. And he said, stop me. And myself, you know, um, this is not a big deal. This is feedback and it's handwriting. You need to have perspective and you need to be open to feedback and you need to, and he, so he, he started singing that Rolling Stones song. You can't always get what you want. No, no, no. I can't get no satisfaction, but he changed I the words. I can't get no yeah. satisfaction. So he changed the words to all I get is satisfaction. So he's like, I try and I try and I try and all I get is satisfaction. And, and he was trying to give me that gift of perspective at a young age. And then throughout our career, I worked with him for a long time. And um, throughout my life, when I was taking myself too seriously, when I was not laughing at myself, he would sing that song or he would sometimes just quietly hump there were people in the room uh, to remind me that we are all learning, that it's not rejection, it's feedback, um, that we all have the ability to change our course, to evolve, to be better tomorrow than we were today. He was a big fan of quoting. He always uh, attributed it to Mark Twain, but I actually don't think Mark Twain said it. I reserve the right to be smarter tomorrow than I am today is one of the things that he really lived by. Um, and I think that that absolutely plays true in sales, in all sales, um, but maybe in particular inside sales because it's such a grueling job. Well, you know, thank you, because I, this is cold calling by Abby Fabiacci. 
And, I, you know, I've never met anybody who looks at it from a positive stance. And so when the next person, I get a cold call from the next person, instead of saying, are you crazy? Take my name off your effing list immediately. <laughs> I'm hanging up on you now. Goodbye. I'm going to say, hi, my friend Abby says, <laughs> and, and see how they feel about what you're saying. But I just congratulate you. I think it's amazing. But it's also, I'd like to point out that Abby left the business world to write a book by herself every day. So... <laughs> so I'm not yes. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a career change, too. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't exactly. know that anyone can be in inside sales for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, Abby. And everybody should pick up her book if you haven't. I Liked My Life by Abby Fabiacci. Thank you for having me, Christine.